1: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was in an abusive relationship with an altruistic narcissist. It's a story of emotional abuse, addiction, hoovering, and healing. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today you are going to hear a classic episode it is an early episode from the year 2019 and this episode is with someone named Elizabeth an abuse survivor named Elizabeth and Elizabeth is going to be coming back to do a follow up episode in a couple of weeks in a few two or three weeks so i thought it was best to put this episode put this episode out again uh, for people who have not heard this episode before and you know, in the history of the show, Elizabeth was an episode where I didn't know if I was going to be putting it out. I was very wary of uh, putting it out because I was I really didn't know what I was doing at the time when when creating the show. And there was no format at all, and you'll know. You notice in the show that the format of the show is completely different from what it is now. And the one thing that uh, I did learn was that you know Elizabeth was talking from you know it was all emotion, and the emotions were so overwhelming that I thought it was going to trigger a lot of people. And I didn't know whether to put this episode out because, as I said before, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was concerned about the outcome and and how people would uh, take it if it was just going to be too much. But we put out the episode. And the reaction that we got from this episode was huge. And in the history of this show the number one requested person that people wanted to get in touch with, specifically within the first two years, was Elizabeth. And that really made me think about when we're telling stories, I always like to tell people that a story is a story is a story is a story. And what I mean by that is, you can have a story, but if you're able to dive into your emotions and how you are feeling uh, while these things are are happening, while you're in these situations, when manipulation tactics happen, uh, when the abuse happens, and how things are smoothed over. If you're able to really deep dive into your emotions and your feelings, people can connect to that. They can connect to you because not everybody's story is the same. But a lot of the times your emotions uh, that are connected to everything are the same. And people can connect to those uh, emotions and those feelings. And with Elizabeth, she was a real live uh, wire. And it's why she became, for the first two years, the most requested person people wanted to get into touch with. And I'm not someone who's going to be freely Doing that, you know, there's a responsibility on my end of uh, for the people that are are, have been on the show that sometimes they don't want people to get into touch with them. But there was one person who I did put into contact with Elizabeth and that person I hope hopefully will be on the return episode as well, because what happened after that, after those two got together, those two became very uh fast friends and good friends and helped transform each other's life in the aftermath and i think that's you know a big part of the show where people are able to connect and hopefully connect with a, a group for support. If it's not our group, it could be any group, uh, you know, people that are, have been going through the same things. And they can become uh, friends and also just really good support networks as well. So this episode with Elizabeth really changed a lot about how we started to do the show and to really think about feelings more and emotions more and having the guests on the show talk more about their feelings. And that be a really big part of it because the more you can give language to feelings, the more it can give someone who's going through something language to their feelings as well that they've not been able to do before. And I to me, that is is really important. So they can tell themselves what's going on within them, but they can also translate it, hopefully, to someone else. And that person might be able to help them as well in and, and giving this language and, and, and the emotions and, and labeling them and really deep diving on them, to me, is a, a really big part of the show. And something you'll also notice within this episode is, as I kind of stated before, this was really early on in the show and in this podcast, and names were different. I called myself Chad the Impaler. That's a long story, everybody, but there was a reason for kind of what was going on. Uh, Everything was a little looser because we didn't really have a format at all during this time. We didn't, we just kind of went and you know what we recorded kind of went on and we started gaining steam and Elizabeth was a big part of that and Elizabeth is just a big part of shaping you know the eventual kind of format that we do use now which is always going to be a a changing format and one of the things that I have started to notice that maybe I've become um, a little too clinical maybe that's I'm thinking that in my own head but maybe I'm too into the like how we kind of do things and need to loosen up as well. Um, be a little bit more free and and open with how we do things and, and change things. So if anyone has any ideas of any thoughts or, or changes they want, um, send them uh, our way and we'll always take a listen and a read. And a couple more things that I just want to nostalgically, did I say that correctly? Nostalgically talk about and... It really just seems like it was yesterday that this show was created and we're coming up on four full years uh, very soon and hopefully we'll have my old pal Melissa on the show for our four-year anniversary. And for this specific episode with Elizabeth... I remember exactly where I was sitting during this recording and I usually move around to different places when I do recordings, but I really, I just so vividly remember, you know, doing this recording where I was sitting and also after the recording was over and when I was done editing, like all of the pacing that I was doing in my apartment going back on fo- back and forth like contemplating how people might react to Elizabeth and I'm sure many of you have heard the ads that are on the show and that I do have anxiety issues so I did a lot of pacing on this one before I released it and Another thing about this episode has to do with uh, the person who wrote in about the show, one of the many people that have written in about Elizabeth, and that is her sister from across the river, a.k.a. Rebecca, and I also have to thank Rebecca as well. A big, big thank you to Rebecca, and hopefully Rebecca will be with us when we do record, and With Rebecca, I received lots of emails from Rebecca, a lot of them. So Rebecca was impossible to forget. And she was learning what had happened to her and her enthusiasm for the learning and everything that was kind of going on. It was like all these aha moments all the time with her. And she was emailing me these aha moments of what was going on and I'd get, you know, updates here and there about what she was learning, and sometimes she would send me these acronyms that she created, and one email that she sent me had a bunch of these why type questions, and some of them were like, why does the victim blame themselves, or why does the victim suffer in silence, or why does the victim get isolated or feel isolated, uh, why is it difficult for the victim to describe or understand what had just happened, so Reading these questions from Rebecca, they also had a pretty big influence on me and on the show as far as like what uh, we should be getting the guests or the survivors that are telling their stories to explain. And Rebecca was asking so many questions, and some of those questions ended up being questions uh, that we want to uncover uh, with survivors to help people gain a language. And Rebecca was a big part of that. So I just you know, remember reading the why email that she had sent me while I was walking across the street. I was at York University University. Uh, in Toronto, while I was walking across the street going north, and I, I really I just remember like it was yesterday when I saw that email pop into my email box, and I started reading. So I'm really just excited to do a recording with both of them. Uh, we're going to be doing it very soon. Hopefully, Rebecca will be there. I, I really, really do hope so. And I can't thank both of them enough for being an influence on me and all of you as well. So. And just a big thank you to both of them for getting back in touch uh, with me recently to um, be on the show again. So two more things before we begin this classic episode. And the first thing is that you might notice that the sound is a lot different than it is these days. The sound quality of the show was hit and miss a lot of the time. Sometimes today it can still be hit and miss, but uh, back then with this episode, we did our best to clean up uh, the sound as much as possible. So you might Um, notice that there's a big sound difference when you're going to be hearing this classic episode and also a big trigger warning for everyone we're going to be discussing suicidal ideation on multiple occasions during this episode so a big 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 trigger warning on that and with all of that out of the way here is our classic episode with elizabeth So thanks to everyone who's tuned in for this episode. Uh, With me, I have Elizabeth. How are you?
0: I am good. How are you?
1: I'm great. So thank you for coming on to our show. I know uh, a good chunk of your story, not everything about your story. And for everyone uh, that is listening, uh, this is a very... Uh, interesting story. So stay t- tuned to the end. And now I'm just going to get out of uh, my own way and your way, as I always say, and the floor is yours.
0: Thank you. Well, you know, I think that I, uh, you know, it's like Mr. Toad's wild ride. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a college educated person. Um, I have never had a problem getting relationships. I have always been incredibly um, confident, and I ended up in a relationship with a person that, believe it or not, we actually, as weird as it sounds, we connected on Facebook because we had a friend in common. Uh, This woman was a Broadway producer uh, here in New York City. And unbeknownst to me, of course, we get that little, you know, that thing that pops up and, you know, you share a friend in common and I have her in such high regard that I ended up connecting with this person. Um, Months and months went by and somebody would make a posting and I would make a comment and just completely innocent. And one day this person reached out to me and I didn't think it was weird because we we shared somebody in common and it was the beginning of an absolute nightmare i invited the devil into my life and i had absolutely no idea this was a person that was that is i'm going to say semi-famous but completely abused their accomplishments which really stoked the flames. And again, this is everything I learned only up until the end. Um, but without going into, you know, like laboring along to make a long story short, that that famous quote, um, this person was educated, absolutely handsome, um, approachable, funny, interesting. And he was a narcissistic sociopath. He turned my life upside down. Um, we got along great. We would laugh and have fun. And oh my god, I shared things with him because I was so comfortable. The biggest everything I could have done wrong, I did wrong. I know that there were things little things would pop up, but he was so manipulative, you know. He was so good at what he did that I couldn't I couldn't wrap myself around the fact that somebody was that screwed up, like that twisted. And he was really twisted. It took two years. We were in a relationship. and He lied about, oh, I look back now and I was literally on a mental vacation. I just completely checked out. But they give you um, that sense of... Uh, This is a great person. Oh, my God, we get along great. He's really funny. And I have to say, there were things that he taught me about life, about work, about people that really, truly made sense, that I carry with me every day. And that's the worst part.
1: What what, What were those things?
0: Uh, a, a business about people about business about who I was I was really good at my job I am in a hotel business um, he really would say things and I'm like holy shit he's really right so it was almost like two different people he would he would talk about something and put things in perspective and yet he was crazy and and, and twisted and like completely off the rails but The hardest part of that is he always echoes in the back of my mind because I learned I learned some things from him that I would never have learned because he was smart because he was a business person. But you know, I had always since I was fifteen I had a boyfriend, and this is not the usual relationship of breaking up. It how I managed it. And how I got through it and what I've tried to share with people, this is a death. It is a loss. The man I knew never existed. It was all a lie. He used me. There were other women. I think he probably had about three or four all on the side. Everybody was on the side. He was constantly volleying back and forth. And he literally, his life must be exhausting because it's always on the run. And the minute you see through them, it starts to break down. They drop you like it's hot because you see them. They don't want to see themselves. And when you see them, that's when they drop you and they move on because the the new people don't see them when they manipulate you. I think it's like, you just don't know. You can be manipulated for a month, a year, two years, four years. He could have somebody in his life that he's been manipulating for five years. I don't know. Um, but the you don't get closure. So my relationship, as, as crazy as it was, in the end when it was over, and this was a year ago, last month, He disappeared, and I was devastated. I tried to reach out. He wouldn't get back to me. I didn't understand it. And then everything started to come down, and then I started to put it all together. I had to educate myself. I had to understand this is what this person was. I had seen red flags. They don't call them that for nothing. But because of who he was, I couldn't believe that he was that. Poisonous and that toxic, and I think getting through it and managing and believe me, it's, you. You stumble and you 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 go through the, the the stages of death. It's the same thing. It's the loss, the anger. Um, you're happy. There's an elation. It's just you're all over the place, and it is the worst feeling. And it is the worst thing I've been through in my entire life, and it was worse, as weird as it sounds, than when my own father passed away a couple of years ago, because I thought this was someone that I was going to spend my life with, um, and he just he just died. He died, and 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 that's what I try to share with people: is think of your relationship. And think that he left you, got in the car, was driving to work, and was killed in a car accident. That's literally what I would tell my friends how I got through it. Because it didn't exist. The relationship was never real. It was all a lie. It, 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 all of it. All of it. Everything. And the intimate details, the things I told him, it was all... Um, it was really interesting that there's covert narcissists and that you've got narcissistic sociopaths. He literally had a log in his head of things I said, things I did, only to use it against me and manipulate me in the most twisted way. And going forward, and just sort of like flash forward how I, I get through it now is there are days that I still say, what the— F, was, what was wrong with me? And it'll come out of nowhere. I'll be walking down the sidewalk, and I'll laugh to myself and be like, what, what is wrong with you? It just, it, it's not, it doesn't happen as much, but it still happens to this day. You, it, there's this, you never get closure, and there's this innate survival factor, that you want to call them and be like, see, I'm good. I survived. I don't need you. They don't care. He didn't care about me. If I called him and said I'm in the hospital and they they amputated both my feet, he doesn't care. You, You can't get their attention. You can't get their caring because it's not in them. And that's a whole other story, you know, as far as who they are and what happened to them and why they became the way they did. But I, I, for anyone who's going through it, you have to claw your way through. I sought help. I went to a therapist because it was too much for me. Um, I didn't share it with my family. My mom liked him. My brother met him. I think the embarrassment, he owes me money. I, I had to suffer alone out of, for, for, for numerous reasons. And I think that the narcissist knows that. They know we're injured and we suffer in silence because I've got like two friends that were literally like, where does he live? (laughs) You know, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to live with, you know, don't like, what are you going to do to him? You know, you just, they sort of, they're invincible. They're invincible and they're entitled. Uh, Because if you, you know, if you looked at them on social media, you would be like, Oh my God, this guy's amazing. Yeah. It's all a trap. That's the trap. Um, It was setting the trap of, their accolades and their accomplishments, no matter how small they are, um, that was the trap for him. What's very interesting about human nature is a lot of people enjoy and like the fact, and especially with social media because it's very different, if if a famous person reacts to a posting or... Uh, something that you say, a a, a comment, people love that. They feed on that. And for him, it's almost like, you know, psycho overload. He literally is, he must be, you know, data mining all day long for all, for, you know, all intents and purposes. He's, he was a predator. He was a predator. And this was the perfect setup for a predator because you don't know. He looks good on paper. He looks like a nice guy. He was paid to go to schools and and talk about bullying when this was a man who called me a bitch, a piece of shit, and I caught him using my credit card by mistake joining a dating website. it's, it's, It's beyond anything you can comprehend, and in the end... You want to shout from the rafters what a loser they are, what how crazy they are, what they did to you. They can manipulate their way out of that. And I chose not to. I just, I know the truth. And I chose to just fade away um, in silence because it didn't matter. And it brings up. You know, people that date famous people that know what they're really like, and people come forward. Um, You know, Bill Cosby is a perfect example. So many people were abused, but they don't come forward because people don't believe them. And when you're with a narcissist, you want people to see, you're like, this guy's crazy. It doesn't matter. Nobody will believe you. We were ensnared. I was a victim. It's no different than me being mugged on the streets of New York City. I was a victim. I was abused psychologically, emotionally, financially. And he will just go through life thinking, not looking around in the apartment going, wow, you know, she paid for all this. He's entitled to it. Narcissists feel they're entitled to everything they have. They will never apologize. They'll never say, look, I'm really sorry for what I did to you. It doesn't happen. In some cases, I heard that and it was a ploy to get somebody back and then the cycle started again. Mine didn't do that because of who he was. He had a um, just a, a treasure trove of of unsuspecting people. And it's and probably to this day, all these people, they have no idea. They're just they're no different than I am. And it's really it's really horrible. So I'm thinking to myself when I'm out to dinner with him and Ooh, we look good and everything's great. Someone's going, oh, I know him. That poor girl. She has no idea. That's what that's what someone was probably saying. And I didn't. And I wouldn't have believed it anyway.
1: No, it, that's the worst part. Yeah. People uh, who are in the in the trance at the beginning will not that yes. you won't listen. And, nope. I, you know, one of the things that I always that that, that what you said that I find interesting, uh, especially with a gentleman I'm not going to use the word gentleman. Sorry about that. Uh, with the narcissist that you were uh, dating, uh, he was famous or semi famous. He had a lot of things going for him. So he had this supply that was readily available to him. So when he did discard you and you saw him for what he really was, he didn't come back to you. Whereas I think maybe in other situations when a narcissist might not have the same situation and might not have a backup plan or nothing is uh, maybe only one person and he doesn't, that person might be, you know, uh, fringe at best or not fully in sync with what's going on. You know, maybe that's when the hoovering back that other people experience uh, occurs, but yours was a complete discard.
0: Correct, because he because he had such a supply. Again, if you looked at him, if you went on social media, you would be like, oh, my God, look at this guy. Yeah, a walking nightmare. So his supply was endless. It was endless because it was always somebody going, oh, he played professional football. Oh, he's good looking. Oh, and he's responding to me. He's liking my posts. Or you know blah 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 and and that 's what happens that 's what happens for him it's literally a kid in the candy store, and I was just I served my purpose and and it is horrible it is a horrible feeling it is a horrible feeling, and I have to tell you something. I was a model when I was younger i 've never had a problem dating i i'd have a successful career and i took the train to to visit my mom one day and i sat on that train and i thought how, how am i going to move on how i can't do this my life fell apart and i thought about taking my own life that's a horrible it's a i'm sorry it's a horrible feeling but i couldn't it was it's abuse it is abused to the worst core, and it's 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 a death, and the only way to get through it is to say my relationship was real, it was real to me, and he used me, and he took what he could, and I had no idea, and it almost pushed me to the point of taking my own life because I thought, how am I going to move forward but it was all a all of it. And I clawed my way through. And you have to get help, whether it's antidepressants, a psychiatrist. If you don't have the money, call a suicide hotline. You have to get help. This is bigger than a relationship of just like, oh, my God, we didn't get along anymore. We broke up. He dumped me. There's no closure. They literally evaporate. They they evaporate. It's gone. And we are one of many that they've done this to before us and after us. But I have to tell you, it was the darkest, the darkest days because this man took everything from me. Everything. Everything. And 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 they do that to a lot of people: financial ruin, uh, manipulation of friends, family, alienation. Uh, he didn't alienate me because I had my own life going on. You know, I'm not a kid. But it's it is tragic and it is devastating. And for anybody who is in it, it is more than you can handle emotionally. And it is is PTSD. That is what we suffer from. We have been a victim. As I said, it's no different than a mugging. If somebody punched me in the face and stole my purse, it's the same thing. And every day that I walk out on the street of New York, I look and I think, am I going to see him? That's how much trauma it is.
1: So when... All of this happened and it ended. Uh, when did you recognize what had gone on and were able to put a name on it? And when that happened, how did your life unfold from there?
0: I think that in the relationship, I thought that there's this something wrong with this guy. And I remember reading about it. I knew what a narcissist was, a narcissistic sociopath. Yeah, it sounds like a serial killer. Um, I, I I had an idea when we were together, but I let it go because I couldn't fully understand what the control they had and what they did. And like, listen, if you caught them with a dead body, they could talk their way out of it. That's how good they are. So I, he, I thought, oh, God, you know, he couldn't he can't be that bad. So I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't I didn't think it was to that degree because they can talk their way out of it. It's when you have the hard facts. It's the hard facts. And two things happen in the end. I was living in the Cayman Islands at the time for work, and I came home to New York. We had an apartment together at that time, and the things I put in this cabinet were under the sink in like um like a docket kit, like the shaving kit for men. He took my stuff out so somebody didn't see it. So we had somebody in the apartment. And he had used my credit card inadvertently to join a dating site. And he tried to talk his way out of that. That's how that's how crazy what was
1: his excuse on that?
0: Oh God, he couldn't he couldn't he, well that's when it that's when he that's when, when he ghosted me. I caught him, the mask was off, the jig was up. I caught him on a dating website, and that's generally what a narcissistic sociopath—it's very interesting. You can be a different age, a different color, a different race. They have the same MO, and when the mask starts to crack and you start to question or see things, that's when they, they go into a tirade. He would go zero to 60 in one second. In one second. And that's when it all started to come down. And the the website, the dating website, was the end. That was the end. And he had ghosted me. Um, and it was months. He wouldn't talk to me. And if I talked to him this day, which I don't, if I did, he, he would say, you are so mean to me. Look what you did to me. Literally, that's what he would say. It just—it's all about them, and it's their life, and they're the victim. They're, and I remember saying one time, you know, don't be the victim. And that sent him through the roof because they—they've heard all this shit before. I'm not the first, and I'm not the last. If again, for anyone who is ensnared in this trap, it's human nature to say, "What is wrong with me? How can I do this?" The abuse continues. Because you abuse yourself. You say to yourself, how could I do that? What's wrong with me? I can walk into a room and be like, oh, that guy's cute. Ooh, and, and go up and, and, and probably get his phone number. No, no, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how pretty, how smart, how educated. Nothing matters. We are all victims. We were um, a victim of a predator. I was sought out. He tested the waters with me. We shared a friend. I never told that friend because she may not believe me either. It it, it didn't matter in the end. So I think in the survival mode, you can't... It's normal to want the world to know how horrible they are. Like I said before, it's normal to want them to know, I survived. Look at me. I don't need you. My life is so great. You have to get that out of your system because it doesn't matter to them. We're normal. A normal person would do that. They don't see it like that. Their world is not the world we see. It's like looking at a painting side by side with them and saying, what do you see? Well, what do you see? It's They don't see life. And that's what I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand that people, and I can't say they're that evil, Um, He is who he is. You have to educate yourself. It was very hard for me because I couldn't find a podcast or information where, where it made me feel validated. And that's the key. You have to feel validated. We are survivors of abuse. A different form of abuse. And, and that's something you have to get in your head. And I have spoken to many people that have tried, well, he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't do that. No, they don't. And he didn't talk to me. They won't talk to you. Because, because I served my purpose. We served a purpose. They threw us away, and they moved on. And like you said, if you don't have that supply, whether you're famous or if you're a musician or, or a professional athlete, if you don't have that supply, sometimes they do come back because they need that. Mine had endless supply. Oh, my God. It was like an all you can eat buffet for him. And I was left with my life upside down
1: clawing clawing my way through so when you clawed your way through uh what uh, was, what was the process uh i guess step by step of how you got to where you are and how long has it been and, and uh it's, how, how did you it's get through so how, uh, so from that point to now uh what what has occurred on on your healing process
0: it took <laughs> excuse me it took a year and This all this went down in May of last year. Mm -hmm. I kept trying to reach out to him, May, June, July. I would go through life literally down the street, and it was like a movie. It was like watching myself. There was no, my life was black and white. There was no color in my life, there was no love in my life. There was no happiness in my life. I have some great friends. I have an amazing mom. I have a brother who's a pain in my ass, but he's there. I've suffered in silence. Every day was heartbreaking. I couldn't talk about it without crying. I reached out. I would try to reach out, try to reach out. That slowly started to dissipate until December. And I saw him in December, and I was like, look, I don't want to be at odds with you. Now, he owed me money, so I didn't know how I was going to get it. He owed me money. He owed me $12,000, actually $15,000, not including some furniture. And I was trying to—I don't know what I was trying to do, but part of me wanted the money. Part of me wanted to see him— and it was before Christmas, and I met him in the city in a restaurant, and everything was fine until I said something he didn't like, and he screamed at me, and he stormed out. And I'm like, wow, this, this is mess. This is fucked up. That was in December, and I think I'm trying to think now. So, again, fighting through it, fighting through it. It's an addiction. Like not texting him was like an addiction. it was like it was like saying, "Oh my God, I'm not going to drink or something." It was like, uh, yeah, it's horrible, it was horrible. So I kind of like went back. I think I saw him three times in the year, and every time I saw him, it solidified that he was absolutely out of his mind. And, but I wasn't strong enough. So if I saw him, I was, I was stronger. And I'm trying to think now, maybe I even saw him twice. The last time I saw him was February. That was the last time I saw him. And I knew that he was crazy. And again, it's like, you have to go back and back and back and kill you until you can't take it anymore. Um, And it just, the pain was there. And I think what I was trying to do in seeing him, in reaching out, was getting that closure or that something. I was looking for something that I was never going to get. And and the last time I saw him, that, that second time, I think it was twice, that was the end. And then I'd be good. For like a month or two months, and then I would be so pain, in so much pain. I would reach out. I'd be like, "Hey, you know, I hope you're okay." It was all about me. Am I okay? And I don't know why you do it, but you you try to reach out to them. It, I can't say it was the wrong thing because it's what got, it, it, it sort of like vesseled me through. It was like it, it, it sort of rode me through how I got through it. But to this day, there isn't a day that goes by and I'm like, oh, what is wrong with you? And then it's a fleeting thought. He was the first thing that I would think about in the morning and the last thing I would think about at night. It was exhausting. And I just by the grace of God, I, I just, I reached out when I thought I should. I never follow him on social media. I blocked him. He's blocked now. So I know he can't call me. I would go to bed and be like, oh, is he going to call me? And I'd look at my phone and he didn't call me. And it was twice as bad. You have to block them and know that they're not going to call you. It's, it's like coming off of drugs. It literally, I think it must be like. Withdrawal for a heroin addict, because that's that's what it is. It's an amazing relationship that was fake, that ended abruptly, and you're left standing there going, what was that?
1: Yeah, as I discussed with other people uh, in other previous episodes, uh, it is a drug. It's uh, You were given a drug, it's a, like a love addiction type drug at the beginning, yep. and then uh, once that drug is in you, then your body uh, craves it. And uh, yeah. if you try to go cold, if you're then given the cold turkey, um, you have withdrawal. And yeah. you, sometimes you need that fixed. You try to get that fixed. And now, you know, it seemed like you were slowly weaning yourself uh, off of it. Correct. Yeah.
0: Correct. Weaning. That's exactly what I was doing. That's exactly what I was doing. And, in the, and, and what happens with them and the psychology of these nut jobs is it's... And again, I think it's in varying degrees. The less supply, the more attention they may place on you. Man, this guy, oh, I can't imagine. Hundreds, hundreds. He could have hundreds, for all I know. It's all smoke and mirrors. All of it. All of it. I think there was some major, major trauma there. And then the success of who he was, um, I think there was a lot of... um, I think there was a lot of a, a lot behind the scenes that I didn't know about, but you don't know
1: yeah like some people you don't. some people fall in love with the idea of somebody no. and, and and not the person he was also loved the idea of himself in in a sense yes yes i uh, i I have a question for you. Um, sure. In your healing process and everything that had gone on, was, what was the biggest thing that uh, I guess you once took pleasure in that was taken away from you? And mm-hmm. in, uh, in that process, have you been able to uh, reclaim that, or are you still struggling for, uh, with that?
0: I still struggle with that. He was my companion. We would walk into a restaurant, and people would stop and look. We looked great together. We would laugh. We would be sitting there laughing when other people would be having dinner and you know proper, and they looked miserable. And we, we we loved food, and we would be talking about all kinds of stuff, laughing and talking. I never had a problem with him. He was the problem. He created a problem out of nothing. Um, I do not date. I have not dated. I'm getting to a point where it would be nice, but for me, dating backfires because I look around and I'm like, there isn't anyone here I would even think about dating nor be attracted to, and then I would think about him. So you have to be very, very careful. For me, I was not ready. I am getting ready. But I have to be honest with myself. It's it's It was two years of dating and one year of healing. And I don't think that ever goes away. Now that I'm leaving New York City, which I have an amazing opportunity, um, doing something I love to do, I won't be here. And I don't have to look over my shoulder anymore. And I have to tell you something. It is... It's a relief for me. I think you always will carry it with you. And even if I met Mr. Wonderful tomorrow, he will always be in the back of my mind because it's it's abuse. I was a victim. I was a victim of someone. And the next wonderful, amazing man that I meet, I will have to share that story because you are hesitant, you are very, you're injured, you're broken, you are broken and injured. And it could take me another year. I don't know, it could take me another month. I I was trying to fill that void with doing other things and just, you know, not dating or sleeping around. You know, that's, that's something else. Also after a number, you can't, they don't care about you. So if they know you have a boyfriend or or girlfriend, whatever the story is, they don't care. They don't want you back because you're with someone else. Not in my situation, because he had a plethora, a bevy of chicks. So it just didn't matter. If you're with someone or was with someone that didn't have a a supply that was literally endless— you want them to you want them to know you're okay. Like I found someone, I'm good. See, look what you missed. I moved on. It's it's a waste of energy. People will do it anyway, but they don't care. They're not like, Oh my god, I can't believe what I did to you. I'm so sorry. Let's make this happen. I'll try again. It just it mine didn't do that because there was way too much.
1: There was way too much. So as far as closure goes, which you will never get Um, No, you never get closure. So, uh, If he said to me, I hate you,
0: I don't ever want to see you, I'm in love with someone else, you are just a bitch and burned in hell, that would have been easier than vapor. He vaporized, he disappeared. And that's why I treated it like a death. The entire relationship in my mind and the man I remember was killed in a car accident as far as I'm concerned.
1: When were you able to put fully into words to someone?
0: You you can't and, and and again, you know, I like I said, I had a boyfriend at fifteen. I'm like, oh, you know, la la la, you break up, you move on, it hurts, you move on. I couldn't move forward. I couldn't move forward because the relationship was a lie. It was a mirage. It was fake. And none of it he they are the master at manipulation. It's like walking down the street and seeing an alien fall out of the sky. It is something that you you never want to experience. I've never experienced it in my life, and I'm a business person. I have never in my life been exposed to the, the, the depth of cruelty and manipulation, it is beyond me. And that's why I made it a point to say, screw this. I need to read. Art. Are they born this way? Are they, is it trauma? Like I had to find out what makes a person be able to do what they do and 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 move forward. And it's funny because this is how I think of it. You think of a crowd of people at a stage, and a famous person is singing on stage, what they will do to get through the crowd, they will stab, kill, push. They'll do anything they can to work their way right up to the front. And once they're there, they're there. They won't look back and be like, oh, my God, look what I did. They don't don't see it. They do what they need to do to get to where they need to be. And it doesn't matter how they get there because they don't look back and see what they did is wrong. But he doesn't. Th- he told me you're the devil. He called me the devil. The woman who bought him clothes, who gave him a massage every night for an hour, he would get breakfast in bed. I'm an idiot. That's what I would say. I'm an idiot. No, you know what? I am a loving. Caring person who loved and cared the wrong person, and I didn't know it. I didn't know it i didn't and 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 to survive, you have to feel for anybody who is listening to this it is the it is pain beyond pain, but you know what if you can't manage it get help. If you can't talk to family, there are so many walking wounded. I was walking wounded and I didn't look it with my expensive clothes and my expensive handbag. And I would walk down the street and and, and be on the verge of tears. I mean, if you can hear, I get emotional because I did it. I walked in it and I don't know how I got through it. I don't. I don't. I clawed my way. I I would, you know, people say, oh, time heals. Time couldn't go by fast enough for me. If I could stay in bed and sleep for a year and wake up, all I wanted was all of that to be taken out of my brain because it was too much for me.
1: At a certain point, did you feel uh, – because now you're moving away. At a certain point, did you feel that being where you are, what city you're living in, was constantly re-triggering you? Or, uh, oh, yeah. So at what point did yeah. – uh, where did you say to yourself, uh, I can't live here anymore to, if, I want, well, if I want to you know,
0: Yeah, it's, it, this was a business opportunity. This is a job opportunity. So the key – and this is very important. You can't run away from them. So, taking a job, relocating, going away—that is, is only temporary because it's—they're in you, they're in your blood, they're in your muscles, they're in your 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 heart, they're they're in your joints, they're in your hair, they're in you. They just—they've permeated permeated your entire being. This was freedom for me. It was freedom. This opportunity came my way as a, as as not me searching for it. it. It it happened.
1: It happened. If it didn't happen, um, would you have tried to uh, look for something out of town, or would you still have stayed in no, New
0: No. No, I didn't. Didn't. No, I didn't. I was here in the city, and I would just pray to God every day that I didn't run into
1: him. That's a horrible you know, feeling. It's a horrible feeling to have.
0: It's a horrible—25 years ago, I was in New York City working, And I was holding my handbag, and I had a box, and I was waiting for a ride. I was married at the time, and there was a couple of guys coming up the street. This was on 7th Avenue in New York City in the Garment District, which is down near Madison Square Garden, if anybody knows where that is. And I looked to my left, I looked to my right, and when I looked to the right, these guys purposely ran into me to throw me off guard to try to take my bag. But what happened was I had I had gone against the wall and dropped the box. And, of course, my toilet mouth. I'm like, what the F? And these guys just looked at me, and then they moved on. And a woman stopped, and she helped me. She goes, you know what they were trying to do? And I'm like, yeah, they were trying to take my bag. My husband at the time then pulls up. I get in the car, and I burst into tears. The next day when I came into the city and a few weeks after that, I felt vulnerable and exposed. And I would look around like, oh my God, you know what wh- who's that? This is how I felt. I hadn't felt that way in twenty five years. And every time I walked out the door, I thought, I'm gonna see this man because that's how traumatic it is. Yeah, no, it's that traumatic. I somebody tried to to mug me, take my bag, and this was no different. Somebody took everything from me and then left me left me inside the road basically to just yeah. That's what he did.
1: So as we wind down here, I really want to have a follow-up episode with you, maybe like a few months or a couple months after you you do your move, to see uh, how it, that has all affected uh, you, and if, the, if certain things have changed, or your uh, you know if having not having the constant worry has uh, helped your process of uh, healing and new things that you've learned. Would you be open to doing something like that?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. I absolutely would. Because I think that if anything, and as odd as this sounds, I live through it. Mm-hmm. I know there are people that won't. And I know that people are suffering. If I can share the the horrible, bloody All of it, the the carnage of what I went through, if I can share that and help somebody or at least realign thinking, because I I will fall too. I will fall. Um, And I did fall. Not now. It's different. But I got it out of my system. But if I can share what I went through and if I help one person, then I'm okay with that. Because I made it through, mm-hmm. I almost didn't, and I think that if I can share my story to help someone, if they listen to this right now and be like, "Yes, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it," if I help someone, it makes it worth it for me. Because as I said, I I didn't make it. Mm-hmm
1: today i really want to thank you for uh sharing your story you you're brave you're standing in the face of it and hopefully uh for everyone listening out there who's going through the same thing a very traumatic experience uh that you've empowered them to do something about their situation and uh to uh take the steps to uh, heal and i just want to thank you once again uh for being part of our show You're welcome. Thank
0: you so much. And again, to anybody out there, if you can't talk to family or friends, you have to seek professional help. This is bigger than we are. You can't do this on your own. Try to get help.
1: So that was our episode with Elizabeth. And once again, I can't thank Elizabeth enough for for being our guest in 2019. And it took a long time, but eventually you will hear Elizabeth in a few weeks, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks from now uh, in our follow up episode with her and the person who eventually got into touch with her through us and how they transformed their lives. So a really big thank you to Elizabeth. I hope you enjoyed uh that episode. It's not an episode that is you know, one that we kind of play today uh as our format has changed, but this was a really important episode for me specifically in learning um about, you know, just really listening uh to someone and just kind of letting them go and um listening every step of the way for for what they're actually feeling and uh, Elizabeth I I really just can't thank you enough so uh, with that being said if you want to be a guest on our show like Elizabeth was in 2019 and will be again in 2023 uh, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And when you're there, please do read all of the instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please do send it in the format that we ask for. Also, at our website, we have our very own safe social network support group at the top of the page at narcissistapocalypse.com. There's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our support group. And I've said that a ton of times already now. And inside there, you will find we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, every Thursday afternoon, every Saturday night. Also, we have forum boards for you to post on to get validation, get support from your fellow survivors out there. We have ad-free episodes, and we have episodes that never made it to air as well. So please do join our support group today if you need support. And if you need even more support, please do go visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. And at DomesticShelters.org, you will find articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are dealing with. You will also find every phone number, email address, and website address for every shelter and domestic violence agency no matter how big or small your town is it can all be found at domesticshelters.org and now that is it for our show today so from myself and elizabeth we hope you have a good night